dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Father Michael. Today's episode is Mother Natalia's, and she is talking about courage and being fearless at the right times. She talks about an experience she had where she speaks very vulnerably about a moment um, where she had a fear that did not seem like a gift at the time, but certainly seemed like one later on when she took it to prayer, got some good advice from friends about how uh, this very human fear that she had while she was rock climbing here in California um, ended up being a gift because she learned something deeply about the spiritual life. So it's a great story about what what God calls us to fear and what he wants us to jettison. Um, We talk about hopelessness, control, hope, and all the rest of it when we talk about fear, good fear, and bad fear. If you are a hashtag banter hater, please skip to timestamp 805. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Um, Christ is baptized, actually. Kind of in the Jordan. <laughs> That's just the way you asked. <laughs> um, in the Jordan. Yeah, because the post feast is still for two more days. So trivia question, do you know when we started saying Christ is baptized? Not like a clue. What century? You don't know what century? No. This century. Okay. This century. <laughs> do you know do you know in what decade? No. It was the eighties. Oh. Yeah. It's a Wait, very, so that's not technically this century. That's last century, right? Fine. Like it's it's within this past century. Do you know what I mean? Because that yes, would be it's within the past the 21st years. How, how do I say that correctly, Mrs. Grammar? I don't know. I, I can't. I can't help laughing, and it just just shows how how uneducated I am. Whenever we're at a restaurant, and you say, "May I please have," it just it sounds to me like a kindergartner. <laughs> it, but I, you're right. You're totally right. Well, you know it's what though? Like, <laughs> um, you know what though? Actually, all of the nuns laugh at me because that's not what I say usually. Oh, usually what, what I say, say is, I? "Please may I have?" <laughs> Please may I have? Yeah, that's right. Which uh, probably Please. makes it sound more childish, and it's probably not grammatically correct. And it's just, it just what I do. And all of the nuns it, laugh at it. Like, there's something. I think there's something about me that's like, I just. The please has to come first. I I just need them to know that I. <laughs> Most people like, would say, like, "May I please have?" But I say, "Please, yeah. may I?" <laughs> Maybe that is what what sounds odd, but it also just sounds like English isn't your first language in a sense. Like, you know how people put like <laughs> in different languages. I'm trying to learn Spanish here, so I'm like I'm I'm trying to think like like a Spanish speaker and. Anyway, to, to I put often the, uh, sound ESL, so that's not. Uh, <laughs> did I tell you that? Did I tell you my most recent idiom mess up? I don't think I did. I uh, did not. I don't think so. The I should tell I should tell a Matthew story for banter because it's adorable. Okay. Uh, I've already told you the story, so it's not really banter. It's for our listeners, but also <laughs> Matthew. So Matthew's my five year old nephew. For those of you who don't know, and he was we were watching a movie, and he was standing in front of the TV. And while the rest of us are sitting on the couch. And so I said to him, Matthew, you make a better screen than a window. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you know what the idiom actually is? Yes, you make a better door, door than a window. Than a window. Yes. Yeah. Screen doesn't make sense because screens you can still see through. <laughs> so whatever. Uh, that happened. That's funny. 
Well, maybe maybe you had like computer screen on your mind. Since nope. You were looking at Definitely, I'm picturing of this. Okay. I'm picturing a screen that goes behind a door. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so here's the really cute Matthew story that has absolutely okay. nothing to do with anything this podcast is about. It's just you will really find cute. a way of transitioning it in. I will not. This is, this is, your, this is your freestyle rap moment. How do you? Okay. Um, how do you take this and adapt it? Okay, so we take Matthew, who's five. And yes. is he five? Yes, he's five. And Angelo, who's 12. And my mom and I take them to this restaurant in an airport where you can watch planes take off and land while you're eating. Okay. Which for a five-year-old and 12-year-old boy, this is like a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, My nephews, we can just go have a picnic lunch nearby an airport so that they can watch the planes, and they're just thrilled. This is like best day of their life if we do this. So years ago, when I was in Vegas, I was in I was assigned to Vegas like for two weeks when I was very first ordained. There was a there was a because my my parish was like right next to the airport in the St. Gabriel's in Las Vegas, and there's a place where you can pull up, watch the planes take off and land, and tune your radio to listen to mm, the tower. Uh huh. And that even for like a 27 year old was pretty cool. Um, but sorry. even for a 27 year old. Yeah. They, so, so we take them to this restaurant, except when we get there, we find out that this restaurant is past security. So you can only go if you are a ticketed oh. passenger. So we can't go. And on the drive, they, the boys like really took it in stride. I was impressed. I thought they were going to be devastated, but they weren't. And on the drive to my parents' house, Matthew, the five-year-old says, I know, Grandma. Next time we go to the West Want, we can dress up as walkers. And and they'll think, well, just walkers. And, and so they'll let us through security. And when we're at the West Want, they'll think we're just on our lunch break. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I said, Matthew, honey, do you think they have workers who are your age? Like, usually workers are older. And, and he goes, yeah, I know, but... Um, we'll dress up as walkers and, and they'll just think I'm a, I'm a really short adult. And, uh, and, and Angelo says, but Matthew, they're going to ask you questions like, what do you do for work? And when's your birthday? And Matthew just goes, oh, May 9, 2018. And I said, Matthew, if you say that, they're going to know how old you are. And he said, oh yeah. Well, when they ask me my birthday, I'll just say, mm, I forgot. And a whale fake mustache. <laughs> See, mother, this is this is what it means to freestyle. What? To do what Matthew did. You need to be like be like more like Matthew. <laughs> he just on the spot. I so need this to is, channel my inner Matthew. When you, when you told that story the first time, uh huh. Um, did I, I showed you this meme? Yes. I'm gonna read it. Okay. So it says like so. This meme just says at a diner, and the waitress says, "Cops and kids five and under eat for free." And then the person speaking says, me, discreetly nudging my six-year-old. My six-year-old says, I'm a police. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Because it's five and under. Yeah, no, it's anyway. cute. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's the story. What are you going to do? Hagen transition, I huh? can't. I Hagen really transition. can't. I can't think of any it's, transition. It's, so you're, you, you, okay, you have not shared what a song so, do it. Here, here is how this relates to the topic. Is He's I appreciate, 
Um, yes, I appreciate Matthew's fearlessness in in his. I no, I can't do it. Okay, we've just got to move on. All right, jumping into the topic. Fine. And if this is not a full hour, that's fine because I have an appointment at twelve thirty your time. And if they show up early, I don't know that there's anyone else here to greet them. So totally tearing down the fourth wall. What? Parole officers almost never show up early. Did you say parole officers? That took me way too long to process what you said. I was hearing Broloff, and I was like, what the heck is a Broloff? I mumble. (laughs) You do mumble. Okay, it's not my parole officer. Because I don't have a parole officer, uh, it's a spiritual daughter. So I need to be attentive to her. Because that's what spiritual mothers and fathers do. (laughs) All right. I want to tell a story pretty much. I've not prepared anything for this episode because I've told this story like four times now. And I've shared my reflections on it an equal number of times. And we're just going to go with it. And I haven't told you this story, I don't think. Have I told you about rock climbing? I don't know. I don't think I have. I'll have to, I'll to, tell it again, please, of okay. course. But. Well, yeah, because they need to know the story. But I don't think I've told you. So um, this is great. This was when I was in L.A. recently. And I went rock climbing with Libby, Claire, and Madison. Maddie Hebert. And so here's here's kind of the background. There's a lot of background and a lot of context for this story So if any of you are bored, I'm very sorry, but you need the context in order to understand the story. So it's like a sorry, not sorry sort of situation. When I have rock climbed in the past, so I've only rock climbed in gyms before this experience. And even that I've only done maybe six times or something. I'm not like an experienced rock climber, Uh, but I enjoy it so much that for my feast day this year, my community got me climbing equipment. So I have my own harness and shoes and whatever. For Christmas, Maddie bought me belay glasses, which are the coolest thing. And um, belay glasses are, they have mirrors on top, like they have prisms on the top of them so that you can be looking forward but seeing up, which nice. is really, really cool. Because when I, because of my migraines, when I'm belaying in a gym, um, so the belayer, this is part of the context, the belayer is the one holding the rope um, and like controlling it while the other on person the is climbing. Yeah. Um, sometimes on the ground. This story involves oh. belaying from not on the ground. Oh, uh, okay. But yes, what you're envisioning, like in a gym, there's someone standing on the ground controlling the rope as the other person's climbing. Uh but because of my migraines, when I'm belaying and I have to look up the whole time, uh, it like hurts at the base, mm. the base of my skull, and I start to get a migraine. So mm. Maddie bought me belay glasses, which are really, really cool. Uh, I showed them to the rest of the nuns, and they all tried them on. And then we were looking at how you can flip them upside down and like read what's on the table while looking forward. It's really cool. <laughs> so uh, anyways, when climbing in the gym, I have never been afraid and it doesn't matter. Like the gym walls go 40 feet up. The one in Colorado was probably 50 feet up. Um, and it just doesn't matter. I'm not afraid in the least. And I, but I want to be very clear because a lot of this episode is about how I'm just totally unafraid of things. I don't think it's healthy. 
I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't think I have this like healthy lack of fear and I'm just so holy that I'm unafraid of death. I think most of it comes through. <laughs> I don't think things through when I do them. I'm not thinking of the potential consequences. And most people, when they're afraid, it's because they're thinking of these potential consequences, right? Um, Whereas I just have none of that. I'm just kind of operating out of like, nothing could possibly go wrong, which is not healthy. Uh, and it's maybe a li- being like a little too in the present or something. And this happened at one point. I was walking with Mother Ileana and Mother Petra. And there was just this, um, there'd been this crazy snowstorm. And we're walking along the side of the road. And I all of a sudden spontaneously just jump up and throw myself into this bank of snow right next to a fence where a farm is. Um, And it was so fun, so much fun. And I get up and Mother Petra and Mother Ileana are looking at me horrified. And I was like, what? And Mother Ileana was like, what if there was like rebar under that? You have no idea what was under that snow. What if there was a pole that just impaled you? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, didn't even cross my mind. No thought of that whatsoever. Um, So fair, right? Uh, And I did feel some fear when I went cliff jumping uh, a few years ago. Um, And that was like 30 feet up. And there was some amount of fear, but certainly not enough that I'm not going to do it, right? And why are you laughing right now? I'm, I, just, I, I was thinking back. I was just going through the whole thing in my head. It was our, you were very afraid during the escape room. We did an entire episode oh, about that. Oh, terrified. there was no real danger. Yeah. No, but, that's but a really good point. there is real danger. Um, that's a really good point. Actually, some of the other nuns have pointed that out before. And it feeds into actually part of the point I want to make in this. So, uh, so yeah, when there's like real danger involved, except... This story, um, Scrupulosity in the Sacraments, that podcast episode where I talk about my camping pustinia, uh, the hammock pustinia, um, paralyzing fear, so afraid. Uh, But it wasn't, again, it wasn't afraid of death. It was, I wasn't afraid of death. I was afraid of damnation, right? Um, I was afraid of eternity without Jesus. That's where like so much of the fear was coming from. So... Anyways, uh, I had thought for my first few times climbing that this lack of fear was normal because I'm like, you're, you're in a harness, you have someone controlling the rope, you like, like nobody, nobody would be afraid of this. Um, totally wrong, totally wrong. Most people when they're climbing, even in a gym, in a harness, their first times climbing are afraid to be that high up. Um, and even the times that like I've fallen, uh, my belayer, I mean, I'm not climbing with a belayer who I don't trust, right? That's part of it. But when I fall and my belayer catches me, at no point do I feel afraid, even while I'm falling, because I just know that they're going to catch me or whatever. So that's great. And then we go to LA And I'm like, all right, this is it. This is when I'm going to be afraid because this is the real deal. And, uh, and these are sharp rocks and like, and whatever. So I do the first route. I fly up it. No fear whatsoever. The second route, um, I feel a little, you're now, you're now outside. I'm outside in a real rock face. Okay. And the second route, um, when I'm near the top, there's like a gentle breeze. 
And a gentle breeze when you're clinging to the side of a cliff is a little bit disconcerting. Um, so I felt kind of nervous, but only enough to pause for, I don't know, 10 seconds and then move on. And uh, so that was fine. The third route, which um, the third route was very difficult and I couldn't complete it, which was really good for my humility. But uh, because it involves a certain like, um, what's the word? Um, Technical skill, technical skill that I just do not have uh, yet. And I think that route is the one that I got a really cool picture from it. So I think we'll use that probably for the graphic for this. Um, And, uh, but still no fear. Like, and and that's, that's the one that I actually fell on a couple of times. And again, I'm falling like inches, right? Because Libby's belaying me and Libby's incredible. She's basically just superwoman. And so when I fall, um, like even on that one, as I'm falling, the only thought going through my mind is, um, how do I do that thing with my foot that they're talking about? Like, how do I do this? And, and I'm telling, and I tell Libby like, sorry, I didn't give you warning that I was falling. And she's just rolling her eyes at me. And she's like, that's not your job. <laughs> and, uh, so, so yeah, basically this is just like, it's weird that I'm not afraid of anything, whatever. Um, and the other nuns, this is kind of how my life functions. They all call me reckless. That's fine. Uh, and they, I think they often will say things about how I'm not afraid of anything. Right. So not true. I'm afraid of like everything <laughs> except for physical danger. <laughs> and uh, so, so we finished these three routes And then we move on to what's called a multi-pitch. And a multi-pitch is, um, I hope Libby doesn't listen to this because I'm probably going to get so many things wrong and she's going to be so upset with me. That's, I don't think that's true. I think I'm, I think I know the things. Are you afraid of Libby being upset with you? What? Are you afraid of Libby being upset with you? What did I just say? Everything. I'm afraid of everything (laughs) that is not physical danger, including Libby being upset with me. Absolutely. hundred percent. Um, Okay, so a multi-pitch is when you're climbing higher than the amount of rope that you have. So you have to do, yeah, yeah, yeah. So also most people don't do this their first time climbing outdoors. (laughs) um, But it was really, really fun and I'm so glad we did it. So so what we do, um, what you do when you're on a multi-pitch. So... When someone is doing, um, so top rope, here's the maybe boring context that people aren't going to be interested in. I'm sorry, but again, it's important. So top rope is when, that's what you're picturing when you're at a climbing gym, okay? You have a rope that goes up, goes through the pulley, comes back down, and then the climber's clipped into one end of the rope. The belayer has the other end of the rope. Um, That's called top rope. And, uh, And then you have the climber and the belayer. When you're climbing outdoors, you can also do this in gyms, but um, but it looks different. When you're climbing outdoors, you do what's called lead climbing. So lead climbing is when um, you still have the belayer on one end, right? They're called the lead belay uh, because 
you're doing lead climbing. And then you have the lead climber. So the lead climber is climbing up. And as the, the lead climber climbs up, they clip the rope in to these, um, whatchamacallit, um, these little, I, I have a needle things. Yeah. Like stakes that are like, um, already in the, I'm not thinking of the word oh, for them, okay. but anyways, that are already in the, um, in the rock. Someone else has put these bolts into the rock. Mm-hmm. And so the lead climber, um, it's more dangerous than climbing top rope because there's a further distance that you can fall. Right, because with yeah. top rope, you can immediately catch the person, whereas with yeah. lead climbing, they have some amount of slack because they're in between clipping the rope in, and okay. so you can f- you fall further if you fall. Yeah. So, um, so Claire is my climbing partner for this multi pitch, and the entire route, uh, Surf looked it up for us afterwards, and the entire route was two hundred feet. So Claire was the lead climber while I was the lead belay. She climbed up, finished the first pitch, so about the first half of it. And then she, and she's clipping the rope in as she goes. She clips herself in to these bolts in the rock at the end of the first pitch. And then she belays me from above while I climb up. And in theory, I'm unclipping the rope as I go. Um, behind me. Uh, that didn't happen for the first pitch because Libby was climbing close enough for me, close enough to me that she did the unclipping for me. Um, but, uh, but I did it for the second pitch, but she was like, just focus on climbing for now and I'll do the unclipping and then you can do the unclipping for the second pitch. And I was like, great. So, uh huh. So Claire, is at the top of the first pitch, right? So she's maybe 100 feet up into this route. And um, I'm climbing below her. And and the idea is then when I get to her, I clip into the rock. And then she's lead climbing again for the second pitch. And I'm lead belay from that halfway point. Okay. And as I'm climbing, everything is going fine. Right. I'm like, it's all the same movements that I've done before. Everything is fine. No fear. Everything's great. Um, I can look down, see a lot of air below me, and everything's fine. And then, and then, Father Michael, I get to a point uh, that's probably about two thirds of the way up the first pitch. So I'm, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 feet into the climb. And all of a sudden, I am paralyzed with fear, like absolutely paralyzed. The only part of me that's not paralyzed is my legs, which are shaking. (laughs) And I feel sick to my stomach. And I'm just, I'm so afraid. And I have, and I think this was more difficult for me than it is for most people who get afraid when climbing, because this caught me so off guard. Because I've yeah. like never been afraid up to this point. So I'm like, what do you do? What do you do when you get to this point? How do people work through this? Like, you know, um, and, and you're, you have to, you can't just like sit down and 
put your no. head down because you're holding onto a wall. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Claire's belaying me from above and she's got the rope totally taut. So if okay. I really needed, I could have said, I need to rest and I could have leaned back yeah. in my harness and she would have held me. Um, okay. And so I'm not going to like fall. Uh, but for whatever reason, I didn't think to do that. Like I did tell her... Um, hey, I need to rest, I need to pause. But I just like stayed where I was and was still using all of the holds. I didn't just like sit back into my harness. Um, Maybe I should have done that. I don't know. I didn't think of that until this moment. So um, I'm just, yeah, I'm just totally paralyzed by fear. And, And the... I'm trying to decide which order to tell this in because I've told it in different orders. Um, So I'm so afraid that the thought comes to me, this completely irrational thought that's totally driven by fear. The thought comes to me, I can't go backwards and I can't go forwards. And I wonder if I can just stay here and somehow <laughs> the situation will resolve itself <laughs> and <laughs> and somehow you become like a stylite and you're just going to live up there people are going to bring you food <laughs> right um and i wasn't really picturing what that would look like right it was just kind of like i'll just stay here and then somehow eventually everything's okay <laughs> um which it was a helpful thought to have because i think that thought because it was so irrational is what mm. jarred me out of the fear. Mm. Because as soon as I had the thought, it, it lasted for like a second, right? And as soon as I had the thought, I was then like, that's impossible. Uh, that's not going to work. So I just have to keep going. <laughs> and so I take some deep breaths and I try to will my legs to stop shaking <laughs> And I kind of. Did any of the other people with you know that this was going on in your head at this point? Oh yeah, I was like, I was like, guys, um, I'm afraid. It turns out, um, like a lot of fear, (laughs) like paralyzed. Um, I don't know. I'm really afraid. (laughs) And Libby's like, Libby's way up ahead of me at this point, and she's like, I can come back down, and I'll help you figure Mm -hmm. out what. And I was like. Nope, that's not going to help because it's just, it's <laughs> fine. You just, you keep going and I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> and, um, but I would say I was frozen there for a solid minute and a half, two minutes, mm-hmm. maybe even longer. I don't know. If Claire or Libby are listening to this, they can reply and be like, mm-hmm. no, it was like 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Everything is irrational to me in this moment of climbing. And um, so I get past this fear and and I continue climbing. I have one other point near the end of the first pitch that um, that I'm somewhat afraid. And I, I pause for a very short time and kind of like take some deep breaths and then just keep going. And then I catch up with Claire and uh, and then we do the second pitch and everything's fine. So, uh, but this was a fascinating experience for me. And, and it was playing through my mind all day and all the next day and all the next day. And, um, and 
And I was really trying to analyze, like, why was I so afraid? And what was it in that moment? Because I think most people, when they're climbing and they're afraid, it's because they're afraid of heights, right? Um, or, you know, they're not afraid of heights, they're afraid of falling. But the but that wasn't it for me. Like, it wasn't about the height. And I know this because when we got to the end of the first pitch and I clipped into the rock and I had to lead belay while Claire climbed the second pitch, um, we were not on, the end of the first pitch was not, uh, it wasn't like a ledge. So the way that I had to belay is my feet are flat against the rock. I'm sitting back, my legs perpendicular to the, to the rock mm-hmm. face, um, just sitting out in my harness over air, right? Um, and, and I'm doing this while belaying Claire as she's climbing. And, and I can look down, I can sit back in my harness, and there was no fear whatsoever. So it wasn't a fear of the heights. Again, I say this not out of any sort of, I don't think this is like virtuous or courageous. I think I have an unhealthy lack of fear of heights. So I want to be very clear about that. <clears throat> um, so the next morning, I'm in prayer. And the Lord just like puts this image in my mind of me clinging to the side of the rock, paralyzed in fear. <laughs> and, um, and I'm like, Jesus, where did that come from? And there were a couple of things that I had already figured out of why I was afraid. One of them, I think, is there were, so there were three main reasons. And... One of them is that um, I couldn't, um, I couldn't, I didn't have a concept of what it meant to be belayed from above. Like I'm not picturing how the device is working uh, because I'm, I think part of my confidence in my belayer up to this point, when the belayer is below you on the ground, like what you're picturing in the rock climbing Pulleys gym with the yeah. with the top, yeah, yeah, with the pulley system thing, um, that makes sense to me. The physics of it makes sense to me. So I think part of my confidence in it is like friction is a powerful force, and the physics of this totally makes sense. I know that device can hold me, and and that's fine. I, for whatever reason, maybe because I hadn't thought this through ahead of time, I, for whatever reason, couldn't picture how the device is working when the person is above me. And so there's some sort of weird, I know this is just so stupid. I know that everybody, okay. But there was some sort of weird psychological thing happening where I'm like, when the person is below me, I understand that. And um, the friction they can catch me and they can hold me and they can hold my weight and everything's fine. But when they're above me, if I go down, I'm just pulling them down with me. Like that's what's happening, <laughs> which is not how it works. But I had never been belayed from above. I'd never seen anyone belay from above. So I have nothing in my mind to like conceptualize. That's where part of it was coming from was I was like, what is she even doing up there? I don't know. And, and then another part of it is that I can't see her. Like, she was around um, a corner oh, of the rock that I couldn't see her the whole time as she's belaying me. 
And we could barely hear each other. Like I called out to her a couple of times to say like, hey, I need a minute. I'm resting or whatever. But like we could barely hear each other. Uh, I knew she was there because I could feel the tension on the rope. Um, like she did. I mean, Claire is also incredible, right? She was doing a superb job belaying me. Anytime I moved, she immediately takes up any slack in the rope. She was there the whole time, but I couldn't see her and I could barely hear her. Um, but I could feel her in the, in the tightness of the rope. And, um, but the third reason, and this was the part that led to the, the deepest reflection in prayer is, both of my footholds, when I was in this place of fear, both of my footholds were tiny, like big toe on each of the rocks, um, which is fine. Like, it's amazing how much your big toe can hold you up, honestly, when you're climbing. Uh, but tiny footholds and the handholds are not much bigger. And that's fine. And I can do that when I'm looking up ahead and I'm like, okay. I just need to get off of this little foothold and then there's this nice big foothold and I can rest there and whatever. But I'm looking up ahead and there's just nothing. It's like the next three or four moves, everything is tiny. And and I'm just panicked of like, I'm never going to have a chance to rest. And how am I going to get past this? And um, And I could have easily made those moves and been fine. But there was something about just like the... Um, I don't know. It was just such a mental game. Right. And then I'm getting more tired because I'm like tensing up and I'm putting all of my energy into this, like just trying to stay in this one place. And, um, and I'm, so yeah, I'm using more energy and getting more tired than if I had just made the next few moves, um, calmly and swiftly, you know? Um, so all of this comes to me in prayer and, the thought that had come to my mind of, I can't go forward, I can't go back, maybe I can just stay here. That also comes to mind in prayer. And I realize this is so often the place that I come to in the spiritual life. Um, You know, which is like, this was the gift of this moment because my sisters can say that I'm fearless and my like biological brother can think that I'm fearless because I like climb trees and skateboard and whatever and cliff jump. But like the truth of it is I am so afraid. You know, this as my spiritual father, like I get paralyzed by fear, debilitated by fear all the time. Um, it's just that it's all the fear of the interior things. I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of betrayal. I'm afraid of losing friendships. I'm afraid of Libby being mad at me. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm afraid of everything. And, and I finally had this experience, which by the way, when it happened, Libby and Claire and Maddie were a little too happy. Um, they were like, she's human. <laughs> and I was like, all right. <laughs> um, I was going to say the, the, the thing to like, I've never seen Libby mad. Like Libby doesn't get <laughs> mad. I just, I just want to say that since we're throwing her name out there. Like, like we all joke about being afraid of her and, and she's like you. the sweetest, gentlest, <laughs> and of Maddie, and and so we we're always competing. Like Maddie, who are you more afraid of, Mother's Holly, Libby, or me? I'll, I'll say that to her. Like, like we'll sit she's, around. The she's most afraid of Libby, and then me, and then you. <laughs> but that's none of us just, like get mad. No. That's, that's the irony of this. For our listeners, we're not like living in this toxic. 
Yes, no, Toxic that's true. Community here, not Libby, at all. Libby would this trip. no, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> Libby would never be mad at me. You would never be mad at me. Maddie would never be mad at me. Um, but that actually just adds to the point. Most of these things that I'm afraid of are completely imaginary. Like <laughs> they're non-existent. <laughs> um, and uh, so, anyways, I had this external experience of what is so often happening inside of me. And, and I was like, this is a great analogy. This needs to be a podcast episode someday because everyone needs to just like, it's just a great image for me. So, um, so I'm talking with a priest friend about this. Who's, um, also a rock climber and I'm sharing this with him. And he says, he says, but Jesus is your belayer. And that means that you are absolutely infallibly belayed. (laughs) And I was like, amen, that's beautiful. Um, And it just like rounded out the analogy for me because here's the thing that's happening. Like in these moments that I'm so afraid in the spiritual life, and I'm going to use, I know I'm being kind of like, vague or whatever. Um, but I, I want to give an actual example of where I have felt this fear recently in my life, this interior fear. Um, but, um, when I feel afraid in the spiritual life and, and the moments that I'm thinking of are the moments that like, I have left behind something that I know Jesus has asked me to leave behind And once I've left it behind, there's no going back. Like, I just know I can't go back to that place. I'm not that same person anymore. Um, I've dropped that defense mechanism. I've dropped that, you know, whatever. And like, I just, I don't want to go back to that thing that was unfulfilling. But he's calling me to something else. He's calling me higher up. And... And that involves risk. It involves like these footholds that he's given me along the way that feel entirely too small. <laughs> and um, and again, they're not too small. If I just move forward calmly, then I can do it. And um, with his help, right? All the nuance. Um, I'm not preaching self-reliance here, but the point is like, he gives me the capacity to do the things he's asking me to do, but I get so um, panicked about it and I psych myself out. That's the phrase I'm looking for uh, that I just get frozen. And I'm like, there's too much risk. I don't want to go forward. It's too scary. And in these moments, often I can't see him. I can barely hear him. (laughs) I can maybe feel him in the tightness of the rope. Um, And so I really loved that image of like, Jesus is my belayer. And and as I was thinking that through, um, and I was talking it through with with James, who's like my primary, he and Maddie are the ones that I climb with the most. And and James was like, you know, um, part of the beautiful thing too, though, is like, if you have four points of contact, um, like both hands, both feet, and one of the holds breaks, you still have three points of contact. Um, and, and as we're talking about, like as I'm praying with this and discussing it with different people and processing it, in my mind, these footholds, um, 
for me in the particular situations in which this has been applying. Like these are the relationships. These are my spiritual father, my confessor, my spiritual mother, my, you know, it's like these people in my life, my sisters, my friends. um, And, and there is this beauty of like, don't put your trust in princes as in we can't put all of our weight onto one hold. (laughs) Like it's just stupid. And um, because all of these holds are human and they can break and they can have bad days and there can be bad weather. And so they're icy and slippery and whatever, you know? Um, but the, um, the beauty of it is like, if, if, the, if the hold breaks and I fall, Jesus is belaying me and he is, I am absolutely infallibly belayed. Now, he also, as the belayer, if I say I need more slack, he's going to give me more slack, which means if I'm not actually letting him belay as I need him to belay and I want more slack and I'm moving around and I'm trying to put my weight in these different places and I'm not really paying attention to what I should be doing or something like that, then like if I fall and I have more slack in the rope, he's still going to catch me. I'm going to fall a little further. I might scrape my knee I might, you know, whatever. Um, but it's not to the, yeah, it's just like, so there, there's so many places, so many depths to which this analogy can go. Um, but I, I loved it and I will very briefly, I'm sorry, this has totally been a monologue. It's not what I meant, but it's a, okay. Keep going. Um, so I just want to briefly give an example of where I've seen this in my life. Um, recently there is um, there was like someone very particular that I really felt a prompting from the spirit of like you need to love this person and show him that he is loved and like be unashamed in that and as you know Father Michael as probably our listeners mostly know like I love deeply and I love quickly and I love big. And, <laughs> um, and that has like needed to be so tempered and so pruned and all of the things. Um, but in this particular instance, it was clear to me that the spirit was telling me to love this person and show this person love. And I was like, absolutely not that is terrifying. He could reject it. He could misunderstand it. He could all of these things, right? And it's just, it's not safe. There's, it's too risky. Um, But at the same time, I know I can't go backwards to the times when I've tried to just suppress this um, and not let people see that I love people and all of that. Um, And to be very clear, I mean this with complete purity of heart, right? Um, just for that. I know, you know that father Michael, but just for the sake of all of our listeners, like um, this isn't some like disordered love or something. Um, and, but it's also too scary to go forward. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to stay here. Um, and that's not how it works. Like the spiritual life is never just staying here. We're always moving forward or backwards, right? There's rest. There's rest, absolutely. But there's always, even in the rest, moving deeper into relationship with the Lord. It's never just a staying still. Um, there's stillness, there's hesychasm, but it's a stillness in which there's like a deepening. And 
Um, and I came across this quote uh, by C.S. Lewis. One of my favorite books is The Four Loves. And this is what C.S. Lewis says. And keep in mind um, a reminder that the word vulnerable, as we've shared on the podcast before, vulnerable literally means able to be wounded. Okay. Um, so vulnerability means risk, basically. So C.S. Lewis says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. And I was like, oh, oh, if Jesus is asking me to love, I have to love. And that's scary and it's risky. And there's the footholds and the footholds can break. And there's the, all the things. And anyways, you now have about five minutes to talk, Father Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. So I, I think that there's the, the hope I had in this, because when you gave the three examples, the first two seemed to be to be like about you were you were frozen because you were out of control. Mm. Like there, there was a lack of control. You didn't have control over your own situation. And the third one was was there was a bit of hope. What was the third one? Anyway, there was a bit of hopelessness. Is the what, is what the I wrote down? There, the footholds. The small footholds. The footholds. And, oh, oh, and yeah, and I and you looked up, right? Mm-hmm. You looked up, and there were still yeah, only yeah. small ones. Like there, there, there was. They took away the hope. That, 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 that this is going to end soon. Yeah. And then the other ones, you, you were out of control. And I, I thought, you know, in that situation, as much as you're being hard on yourself because of the fear, like that actually makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're climbing a mountain, you have to be in control in a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And when you look up, you, you're, you're saying this is not going to be easy for the next 10, 15 minutes. Like th- th- those are very, very real things. And, I thought one of the lessons that I wrote down as you were just saying that one of the lessons is, is why do we see that as so much easier than the spiritual life? Because mm-hmm. before you said that Jesus is my Blair, which is so beautifully true, there's a sense of that on, on the climbing the mountain of our spiritual life, climbing the ladder of our spiritual life, all these images that the fathers use. When we're doing this, th- there, it's not that same, like when, when you, you have to be wise. I mean, we have to be wise in the spiritual life too, but, but you're, you're, you're saying, I, I have to make sure that I'm in control enough that I don't hurt myself. I need to make sure that I, I, I know my capability in taking these next steps. Can I have these big toe footholds and that's it for the next, you know, 10, 15 minutes? But in the spiritual life, there's a sense of, of, those I, I I don't need to be wise <laughs> about about my my love of Christ or my pursuing the spiritual life. Now Christ gives me that, and I mean the human virtue aspect of that. But there's there's a sense of where I can be more restful. Again, the, the, this is only touching on one part of the spiritual life, but but the, there's there's a confidence and a hope and an ability to to do things a little more recklessly in the spiritual life. And I think what happens is, is when we do this, 
it's almost like Peter in the Gospels. God, God will purge from us the things. Like I'll, I'll tell you after we're done recording, um, if we have time, but, but there's something, there's like what you mentioned before we started recording. And there was a mm, fear that, that you mentioned. Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. I thought, but the, the reality is, is that I've always told people, people that are my spiritual children, they're very, very anxious only because I'm not. So again, it's not <laughs> a holy thing. It's just, it's just a personality thing. But I've often told people, think of the worst consequences. Mm. You know, what's the worst consequences of what you fear coming true? Mm. You know, and, and, and in a sense, we need to, right? Lent starts next week after this comes out. You know, mm-hmm. Lent starts in like five days. We're, we're, we're getting back to the great fast. We're getting into this time of purging. We're already in cheese for a week. So, you know, we, we've already begun purging something. So I think that there's something, or in me for a week. Um, I think that there's something for, no cheese for a week. Sorry. No cheese for a um, week. Yeah, yeah. I, I braised it to different places right now. So, um, looking ahead. So there, there's something about if, let me make sure that I work on during the fasting periods. Let me make sure that I actually work on purging these things so I don't need to worry about them being purged. Mm. You know, there, there, there's in a sense I can say, what? I, I, I give up something. You know, this is some, some mothers have told me this and it's so beautiful. Some parents have, you know, every morning I wake up and I give my child to Christ and I say, Lord, they're yours. Mm. And every morning Jesus says, here they are back. Mm. Like, and I was take this child, you, you raised them for me, you loved them for me, you carried this cross for me. Um, but if, again, the child's a horrible example, but like, if, if I have something, let's say, um, let's say my Mike, my buddy Trevor, right? He plays baseball. I know baseball, he, he, he seems to have it properly ordered. So it's his career. It's how he makes money. It's, it's, he gets, he gets beautiful attention from it. He's using it for evangelization. Um, I'm guessing, well, I don't know if I can say this. I'm not going to say this until he approves, but he's doing a project soon that's going to be really cool. It's going to be really popular. And, and basically he said, I said, well, why are you doing this project? And he goes, Oh, because it's about my, he said something like, this was what he said, it was like, oh, it was about my my philosophical background, mm-hmm. which he does not have, right? He's a baseball player. <laughs> and he was joking. That is like, like they're having me on because I'm a baseball player. Yeah, That's yeah. why, not because I'm a big philosopher. And I said, no, honestly, your brand of evangelization is more important to many than is the deeper philosophy that you're just kind of making fun of, right? That both of us are in a sense that that's why they're they're contacting you. So anyway, it was, there. there's something, there's something like, my buddy could, he could leave baseball and he knows he would be just fine. Mm-hmm. He would be giving up a lot, a lot of his evangelization, a lot of the benefits of it, a lot of the, just the cool aspects of it. I imagine him saying, yeah, I, you know, I, I play, so I ask, well, what do you do? I play baseball. You know, that's, that's a really cool thing to say you do for a living, you know, but, but if he gave it up, he would be fine. And he knows that. Like if we, if we, the great fast is for saying, the things that give me anxiety, the things that, that don't give me peace, the things that, that, that I think about throughout the day, can I purge myself of this? And then will God give them back? Mm-hmm. Like that's the point of the great fast is to say, let me make sure I'm not so attached to this thing. You know, I, I put a 45 minute screen time for social media and for a bunch of different things on my phone mm-hmm. so that it turns it off after 45 minutes. Um, I am embarrassed how often I bump up against that 45 minute thing. Mm-hmm. I'm, Cause mm-hmm. then it just shuts it off and there's a way of like t- turning it off. 
And I'm going like, how, how much I was, I got through like, you know, my, my unread texts are in, are over a thousand. Right? So, <laughs> so I'm trying to get purged. And one of my, one of my friends says, you're not good at returning texts. I'm like, yeah, welcome. Everybody tells me that. I know that. I know that. I know that. But I looked and I, so I said, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to spend the next 45 minutes. And I got it down only a hundred. I only got rid of a hundred unread texts mm. in 45 minutes. And I texted her back and she's like, do you know how long it's going to take you to go through all those thousand, that thousand? And I was like, you're right, but if I didn't do, if I did 45 minutes of text a day instead of 45 minutes of social media a day, mm-hmm. then wouldn't it be easier? You know, do I need to purge myself? The the fast yeah. is about. I mean, that's 10%. Myself. You got through 10%. Yeah, right. But it's still going to take another 10 days yeah. of doing 45 well, minutes a day. Well, more than it. that because more texts are going to come back as you yeah. exactly. <laughs> that, that, That's the problem. As soon as you return one, they come back, um, which is fine. Please do continue texting me, loved ones. Um, but th- there is there is something to say for um, a lot of the things that, that we are afraid of are these things that do require, like your climbing story mother, do require a certain aspect of I do need to be in control, but can I jettison this? Mm-hmm. And it, if I'm able to, if I'm able to jettison it, I can probably keep it. Mm-hmm. If I'm not able to jettison it, then I probably should jettison it and get rid of it and yeah. put the effort into doing that. So there's something so restful about the spiritual life because I'm like, Jesus, you're 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 the one who belays me. You know what I can get rid of and be fine, and you know what I can't get rid of and be fine. Mm-hmm. So please hone that. So if you take something from me, and this is my greatest anxieties. This is if you take something from me, I'm so worried, Lord, that you're gonna take something from me. But I need to trust you to say, This is giving you undue anxiety. You know, I one time I sat there with Shapu in spiritual direction and I said, I said, I just, I'm, I'm struggling to get things done. And he goes, okay, well, tell me about your day. And I go, well, I do this, then I do this, then I do this. You've heard the story. And then I, I then I have story. a Greek class and he's like, you have a Greek class? I was like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, why are you taking Greek? And I was like, cause I want to, like, it'll help me read the Bible better. And I'm going through all these excuses. He's like, he's like, you do not need to be taking Greek right now. He's like, you're doing all these parish works. Like, you, you, like, no, dro- obviously drop the Greek. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I did. And I was like, yeah, that, that was, that was an, another f- couple free hours a week that I could totally use for something else. Um, so it, it was just, it's nice. It's nice to know. That when the things that we are afraid of, the afraid things we're afraid of losing, once we lose them sometimes, we're like, oh, okay. The, this is most prominent in relationships. All mm-hmm. you that are listening that are so afraid of losing your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and yet it's, it's a toxic relationship, or, or you're just, you're every day you're working out of fear, or whatever it is, like, let our Lord purge that. Listen to your friends, listen to your spiritual director, listen to God. If you need to purge that, purge it, you know, mm-hmm. get rid of it. And then it may take some time because we're human beings. You're going to realize that, that, that you're lonely and you're going to realize that you don't have that person anymore. You don't have a person anymore. And then all of a sudden you go, Oh, okay. I guess I needed that, that experience that, that, that was giving me so much anxiety that now that they're gone, I can actually rest on the things that, that Christ has purged that. This is what purgatory is. Of course, he's purging some of the things to keep us from him. Um, but, so yes, I, I I love that story because what's the what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you just literally passed out out of fear, right? You would have had you would, all all four handholds and ball two handholds two footholds would have gone, and Libby and Claire would have caught you, lowered you down, 
poured some water on your face, you would have got back up and probably <laughs> climbed back up the mountain again, right? So there, there's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And, it's and not the quite that simple, happen, but yes, it would have, yeah, it would have been fine. Yes, <laughs> so I think often if we do say, what's the worst thing that could happen in these physical, okay, I lose, I lose this thing, I mm-hmm. lose this gig, I lose this person, I lose this whatever it is, think through that. You're going to be fine, mm-hmm. you know, as long as it's not losing your faith, you know, which which is the one thing that, 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 Christ is going to make sure he's going to do everything he can to make sure we keep that um, to whatever extent he's guiding it in. So, amen. Yeah. I like all of that. Thank you. You've just Thank you. expanded on the re- reflection even more, which I appreciate. Exactly. So, um, I do need to conclude so that I can be available to my spiritual daughter. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, because we could talk about this for much longer. But, um, I, let's see, we are on all of, we're not on all the social media platforms, but Father Michael is on X at Padre Michael O. And the podcast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. And we're on YouTube, audio only. Um, For now, maybe video someday. I think we can try that out sometime soon. We'll see. And um, I'm getting, now that I'm doing a, (laughs) we just started a, I just started a weekly feature with Pines with Aquinas that, the first one I think probably came out a few days before this podcast and it's coming out on Sundays, I think. And um, so I'm getting a little more comfortable with being on camera with the extra practice. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you can support our nonprofit Fotina. The The website is um, fotina.org. That's P-H-O-Tina.org. And you could also support us on Patreon by searching what God is not um, through Fotina, through the money that comes in through through Patreon and through other um, income for Fotina, that goes to um, a lot of that money goes to the poor in uh, kind of creative ways, um, trying to help people who are um, yeah listed in Matthew twenty five, the thirsty, naked, hungry stranger, ill, imprisoned, all of the, you know, all the good things. Um, And I, in particular, I've been trying to use some of that money to help people who have felt lonely and outcast recently. So I appreciate your support there. Um, We also use that to support this podcast, of course, and uh, it made it possible for us to go to Seek, which was amazing. I loved meeting so many of our listeners at Seek. That was great. Um, Little taste of heaven, but if you are a supporter on Patreon, one of the benefits is you get a shout out on the podcast. So I'm going to give five of those right now. Once we're finally caught up, the shout outs will come in as people sign up for Patreon. But until then, five at a time. So we have Ashley N. from Tallahassee. Um, oh, we're just doing the state. Sorry about that. I don't even remember. Ashley N. from Florida. <laughs> some city in Florida, who knows? Carlo S. from Pennsylvania. Mariella V., I almost said her last name, from California. I Uh, know her. Oh, do you? Yes. Good. She's awesome. Tammy Y., no address. And how many was that? That was four. Shelby N. from, ooh, from Mississippi. (laughs) <laughs> Did you just call Mississippi ew? No, I was trying to figure out what the MS was. Nice. No, kidding, I couldn't figure out what MS was. Um, it is Mississippi, right? 
It's Ms. Um, I lived in Mississippi, fun fact, um, from the time I was about three months old until I was one. So there's that fun fact. I lived in Mississippi sure for about nine months. Sweaty. <laughs> I remember literally nothing. <laughs> uh, okay. So thank you all for your support and for your love. Um, I'm sorry we haven't done a mini topic in a while. We'll try to get back to that soon. I also want to give it just a couple of shout outs. You mentioned you're on Great. that frat, so please do check that out. Um, also, we check out um, God With Us Online, which is a just God With Us Online. Just look it up. And uh, it's a great resource for all Eastern Catholic information, talks, videos, podcasts, a bunch of different things that I'm heavily involved in. And then also, if you want to go to Italy, um, the northern part of the country, including Roman Assisi and Venice with me and Chris Stefanik this summer, please do look that up. Just go to Real Life Catholic um, with uh, Chris Stefanik and you can sign up for that pilgrimage. I've already had a couple other listeners contact me and I'm very excited about some of the people that are going. So thank you. Nice. Um, but don't do it if it's going to prevent you from coming on a pilgrimage with us to exactly. Eastern Europe next year. We're going the next year to see the martyrs, our beautiful martyrs in Eastern Europe. Woo woo. Okay. Um, prayer intentions. I will ask for prayers uh, very selfishly for myself um, as I do these Pints with Aquinas videos. Um, most of you know that I am ironically very afraid of public speaking. And it's even scarier when I'm not talking with Father Michael, but I'm just talking to a camera. Um, that's a little bit what I did on this episode because it was a monologue, but I could see your face the whole time. <laughs> so anyways, pray for me that I can have the humility to do this because I really feel it's what the Lord is asking me to do. Um, yes. Father Michael. I will ask for prayers for, um, just pray for a couple moms. I think I've asked this before, a couple moms that are really suffering immensely in their, in their current pregnancies. There's multiple in my life right now. I just found out also this past week about two miscarriages from two moms in my life. Um, so it's just that's such a being a mom is one of those things that is that is so and being a dad, of course, I'm not, I don't want to leave dads out. Being a parent is one of those things that is so it, it touches on eternity. It's not one of the things we can jettison. It's essential to our spiritual life for those who are called to that. And given that great gift, um, and so the the work of salvation happens so intensely in the life of parents. So, those that are carrying these crosses of hard pregnancies, of miscarriages, of of troubled kids, all that, just please pray for please pray for parents. Okay, good to be with you, Father Michael. I love you. Yeah, as well, love you, Mother. Thank you for this for this episode. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord soften your heart and make you fearless in the ways that are truly good. And may he allow you to have the beginning of wisdom, which is the fear of God, to know what that is and to have that as correct place. May he give you wisdom in the ways of this world. May he give you freedom and purgation from the things that are not essential and yet give you anxiety. May he give you back if you surrender them to him, the things even that are in this world, but that are beautiful and helpful to your salvation and that of others. May our Lord give you freedom 
um, to pursue him in, in everything and to leave other things behind. May he also allow you to support your friends and your family as they go through this process. May you truly be a gift to them and may they truly be a gift to you. May our Lord bless you and give you everything, even the salvation of your soul. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.